I've had many people over the years that have impacted my life. My youth pastor, Miles, you'd like to know this, was a guy named Joel Johns. And Joel is, uh, he had the typical youth pastor car. We just hoped we could make it back from visitation whenever we go with him. It was a Volkswagen Scirocco. Does anybody have any idea what that is? Which I think is like German for Fox or something like that. So anyway, it was a horrible car. And it had no air conditioning, but we went and saw people for Jesus. And it was fun. He poured a lot into me. Um, We've all been impacted by people, haven't we? Have you been impacted by anybody? Has God used you? I went to um, a church that had, uh, there in Canton, had the Christian Hall of Fame. And what that kind of amounted to, and it's really a neat thing, um, there's paintings up and down the hallways. I don't know if you've ever been there. You get a chance if you're ever in Canton. It's, it's worth going and looking at and reading about. But when you're walking through the hallways, there are paintings everywhere of, uh, of people, Christians, famous Christians who have gone before. Many of them historical names you would know. Guys like uh, Spurgeon. Has anybody heard of C.A. Spurgeon? D.L. Moody. There are people like that that you've heard of. Um, great Christians, even, even as far back, even further back. In fact, you can go to Christian Hall of Fame. Uh, you can Google it. There's a website, and all the paintings are on the website with the, with the uh, you know, every painting has a description of their life, a short biography, and you can find that out. Um, there are some people that were impactful um, that are in the Hall of Fame that you probably never heard of. Um, in fact, some of you may have heard of them, some of you haven't. There's a guy named Bascom Ray Lankin, or another way of saying his name is B.R. Lankin. Has anybody heard of that name? Okay, there's a couple. Who has never heard of that name before? Okay, okay, that's the vast majority of the people in here. Um, B.R. Lankin was, uh, I'm going to read what the, the, the title says on the painting, okay? It says, B.R. Lankin was born on a farm near Forest, Fort uh, Gay, West Virginia. Um, I'm going to go on to uh, his ministry. It says, after attending Moody Bible Institute and pastoring several churches, he was called to assist E. Howard Cadle at the Cadle Tabernacle in Indianapolis, Indiana. Upon Cadle's death, Lagan became the pastor during the next 14 years, uh, became the pastor, and the next 14 years, the ministry grew until he was preaching to 10,000 people each Sunday, in addition to broadcasting to services nationwide. He was given honorary doctorates from Bob Jones University and Clefton College. In the early 1950s, Dr. Lakin began a 30-year itinerant ministry that included the largest churches in America. He traveled 50,000 miles annually and preached to an average of 4,000 people a week. He witnessed more than 100,000 conversions to Christ. That's pretty cool, isn't it? His sermons were a combination of sanctified wit, good Bible teaching, and a strong appeal for people to, quote, come to Christ. After more than 65 years of preaching, Dr. Lakin hung his, quote, hung his sword on the summary walls of the city of God, end quote, and went to be with the Lord on March 15, 1984. His funeral uh, was conducted at the Thomas Road Baptist Church in Lynchburg, Virginia, and was, att- uh, was attended by more than 5,000 people. I was talking to my dad because I'd heard him say B.R. Lincoln's name year after year, and I was talking to my dad about him. 
he was a member of Temple Baptist Church in Titusville, Florida, which was my parents' home church and where I was, the church I was, uh, I wasn't born in the church. But it kind of felt like it. I think I was born on Sunday and Sunday night I was in church. That's how that works. Um, I've been in church a long time. And uh, Brother Lankin actually, uh, the last few years of his life, was a member of that church, and Pastor Wendell Carell was his pastor. And my dad said he just knew, uh, Pastor Brother Lankin's nephew uh, was, uh, lived in Titusville, Florida, and went to their church, and in fact was very good friends with my dad. So my dad said, I just thought B.R. Lankin was the guy that wore, mo- wore pajamas most of the day and watched St. Louis Cardinal baseball games. That's what I thought he was. And he was kind of amazed to find out the kind of impact that this particular guy had had. In fact, he was uh, started out in an era where he was, in in terms of being an itinerant preacher, was literally on a mule going from place to place preaching um, at different different, uh, towns. That's how he started, was basically being still a horseback, muleback, whatever you want to call, preacher all those different years. I say that to say... um, where in the 1930s and 40s he may have been uh, in large part because of his broadcast and because of, that church, because of that large church that he was at, a household name. Many of you, some of you have heard of him, but many of you had not. And uh, you've had people that had been more impactful in your life than a guy who's led 100,000 people to Christ. And what I'm trying to say is, uh, Dr. Lincoln or people like him, D.L. Moody, all the names we could bring up, even guys today who are impactful in our lives, um, the fact that God uses us at all is just amazing. Um, you don't have to preach to thousands every week and win 100,000 people to Jesus um, to be used by God or to be valuable to God. In fact, God doesn't love a guy like that any more than he loves you. Um, we find ourselves um, in this David series. We're talking about King David and the life of David. And David's not yet a king, although he's been anointed. In the first uh, week of the series, we studied about how that David was anointed by God to be the next king. It's not something that he had on his calendar. He was out being faithful and to, to shepherd the sheep, and God directed Samuel to show up and to anoint him to be king. And in that particular message, we emphasized what the text seems to emphasize, that God taught Samuel and God is teaching us that man looks on the face, on the outward appearance, but God looks at the what? Heart. That's right. God, it's amazing that God uses people. It's amazing that he uses us. I think about Moses. Moses spent 40 years, this D.L. Moody said this, Moses spent 40 years thinking he was somebody, that was when he was a prince. He spent 40 years he, uh, learning he was a nobody, that was in the backside of the desert. And then he spent 40 years discovering what God can do with a nobody. Give your life to God, he can do more with it than you can, D.L. Moody said. And so what we saw in that first week is that God uh, was working on David when he was in obscurity, when he was on the backside, not the backside of the desert, when he was out there shepherding sheep. What we found last week was that God began to use David in a crucial moment. Uh, Pastor Miles did a great job helping us remember the, um, the story of David and Goliath and how that David trusted God and was used by God. 
Today we're going to look at uh, uh, Second Samuel, sorry, First Samuel, chapter number eighteen, and we're going to see what happens after David starts to be used by God. David um, was kind of minding his own business, uh, didn't ask to be used by God in a prominent way, but then God did that. He started to use him in this incredible way. David's later called a man after God's own heart, and so D- David is used to to kill this giant, to save the children of Israel. And so it's a pretty amazing thing. Then he goes back to, to, the, uh, to, to working with his uh, sheep and with his dad. And, but he, he begins to start being used by God. And we see that, in, in, of course, with the Goliath story. And now we're going to see in, in 1 Samuel chapter 18 uh, how that God starts to use David and then how that impacts his relationships. We must understand how God's using us can impact our relationships by seeing full responses His using us can bring. We talked about how that there were people in your life that God used to impact you, right? You have people in your life that God's used to impact you. God's helped you along the way. And, and sometimes when God starts using somebody, it can impact their relationships. We're going to see four different responses that His using us when we're used can bring. The first one is this. When God uses us, it can bring friendship. It can bring friendship. Look at uh, second, sorry, First Samuel chapter 18. We're going to start out in verse number 1. Here's what it says. And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. Now, there's a few things I want to talk to you about with this particular friendship. Jonathan was Saul's son. Jonathan, being Saul's son, was the next rightful heir as prince. He's the prince. He's the next rightful heir uh, of the first king of Israel. And I believe, certainly, as we know that they got to be pretty close, that Jonathan would have known that David had been anointed. and That may have been something that had come up at some point in their relationship. Here you see where it says literally there's a connection in the soul. There's this friendship that has begun with this unlikely person. It says that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. They were connected. They were close. I I believe that it's important for us to to realize that there is, um, God wants us to have deep relationships. Uh, You know you can't have equally deep relationships with everybody. Who understands that? You're limited. We are finite creatures. We only have so much time, so much energy, um, so much uh, ability to do that. But here there's this connection, and, and some have made it into something that it's not. Here I believe so clearly that they just have this connection. And it wasn't just a surface connection. This was a, a, a connection that was born out of uh, them both, I believe, loving the Lord and loving each other. In fact, you see... Uh, not just a connection in the soul, you see compassion that's sincere. It says about that, this idea that it was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Isn't that interesting? He loved David as much as he loved himself. I think that's really an interesting thing. And Saul took him that day, talking about David, and would let him no more go home to his father's house. As of this point, Saul's connection with David is, hey, now you're, you work for me, you live with me, you're part of the king's court. Now David has gone from the, 
the sheep and the sh- being a shepherd, being one of the kids in his dad's home. Now he's around uh, uh, the king, around the king's son. You'll find out in, um, later in verse uh, uh, 5, uh, down into verse 6, that he's around the men of war. We're going to see that in a minute. Um, so he has this close connection. It says in verse 3, we also see not only did he have a connection and compassion, we also see that there's a covenant that's made here. Verse 3, then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. That's the second time that's said. And now we see a contribution. Verse 4, and Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his what does it say? Girdle, right? Here we see a contribution that's selfless. When Jonathan gives David his robe, that robe would have been some kind of an indication of his royal status. This is Jonathan recognizing um, God, has, God is doing something, God is choosing something, and I'm going to have a connection and a friendship and a love for and, and make a promise to my friend David so much so that even if it means that I'm not going to be the king, there's this connection that's there. Does that make sense? He's willing to follow. He sees what God's doing in David's life. He, he gives it, says also those other three things, his sword, his bow, and his girdle. These are, um, in those days, uh, really important, right? Um, they are not toys to play with. These are tools to work with. This is these are military people in a military positions, and now he's giving him his, uh, essentially his protection. He's, giving, he's saying, I'm here to protect you. I'm here to, um, to, to be here for you. And he's making this covenant with David. Now, when we're used by God, one of the, one of the greatest things that can happen when you when you get in ministry and when you begin to be used by the Lord, is that sometimes God brings you friendship. God brings you friendship. Has, have you guys ever become close to people that you're serving with at church? Yeah. Some of the closest relationships I have are people that I uh, were in ministry with. I, I, uh, you guys uh, remember, um, who here remembers Eric Hiltabittle? Yeah. Um, Eric Hiltabittle was the worship pastor here and. And I knew Eric back when we were in school together. And then we worked together at, at the church. And uh, Eric was there. There was a guy named Robert Hagee that was across the hall from me. And we, we basically, when you, sometimes when you do ministry like this, we, you get to be really, really close. You get to spend, you're basically uh, living with each other as you do ministry together uh, full time. That's how I feel uh, what happens. I told Corey today, actually, uh, Sundays aren't for friendship. We don't talk on Sundays. He's doing his thing and I'm doing my thing and we get to be friends during the week. But my, my point being is we spend a lot of time together and you can build these relationships. That's how church ought to be. Who agrees? We're a family and we ought to love each other and care about each other. There is a trend in churches that, they, that um, um, the churches are meeting less and less and less. And I think that that's, I th- I'm just here to say, I'm not saying that we should, we'll never cut anything, we'll never stop doing some things, but I, th- I think I think we need to spend more time together, not less. Uh, I think we got to have some deep relationships, some deep friendships. Um, that's why I think I, I love mission trips. I want us to take mission trips so we can go somewhere and minister together and see what God's doing around the world and spend time doing that together. Sometimes God can bring friendship, and when he does, um, 
it's so important that we don't just have things in common that are temporary, that are, oh, I like the, I like, I don't like Michigan. And I can still be friends with the berries, right? I cannot like Michigan, but yet I can still be friends with the berries. You know, you know why? Because who cares about college football? A million years from now, college what? What's a college? We won't know. <laughs> who knows? In eternity, we may know. Who knows? But my point is, what is, what we're connected in is so much more important than college football. Are you with me? We, we are supposed to be connected in a spiritual way. So God using us and doing ministry together and, and God beginning to use people can bring us friendship. Here's another one. Here's a second one. God using us can bring fandom. I try hard to stick with my alliteration. Friendship and fandom. What do, what do I mean? Well, look at what happens. Verse 5. And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him. Now this is, this is cool, right? Da- David has been called, God divinely worked all this out, sovereignly worked all this out so that David would be there in the king's court. And David starts to, to be used by Saul to do uh, whatever Saul told him to do. And it says in verse 5, and behaved himself, what? Wisely. David realized that God anointed him to be king. And here's what I know to be true. Um, If you want people to follow you when you're a leader, you need to follow people when you're not. You need to be faithful when you're not the leader so that you can, this is called the, the law of sowing and reaping. And David, I love this, he's behaving himself wisely. It says, and Saul set him over the men of war. So David was valuable to Saul. David was accepted here by his peers. It says at the end of verse 5, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. So David continues to act wisely. He's being used by God and people can just see, uh, see his heart in the way that he's living and the, what he's doing. But look at what happened. Verse 6, here David was celebrated by the people. It came to pass as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy, and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played. So you have this, now there's a new popular song being played on the radio, right? It's a hit song. Not, there's no radio. I get it. Go with me. Okay. And they're coming, and here comes King Saul, and now they're playing with joy, instruments, and music. And the women answered one another, so they have this antiphonal, uh, like almost like a, the song going back and forth. They are saying it, then they're saying it, then they're saying it, then they're saying it. It's call and response. And said, Saul has slain his thousands. And then they, it's, I, I imagine the song to go like this. You guys be Saul has slain his thousands. Ready? Right, so this is a hit song, man. I can tell you, that's pretty good. So they're going back and forth, and and so do you get the do you get the idea? He's gone from being a friend. He's got these new friendships. Now he's also getting some some people noticing him, some fans. 
right? People start saying things about him that, that aren't, well, let me ask you a question. Is this true? How many people had David killed? Tens of thousands? No, not at this point. He at least, we know he killed one. And the guy was tall, right? The, the, the big giant, right? So this is just like, this is the kind of song they're singing, and it's not even necessarily true. Now, here's some principles I want you to hear. We have to remind ourselves that when God uses us, just of a few things. Number one, when we're used by God, it's his grace. And it should be for his glory, right? Luke 17, 7 says this. Write this down and go look at it later. Here's what it says. This is Jesus talking into his disciples, okay? But which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say unto him by and by when he's come up from the field, go and sit down to meet? And will not rather say unto him, make ready whether I may sup and gird thyself and serve me? Till I have eaten and drunken, and afterwards thou shalt eat and drink. He's saying, which thing happens more often? The person who's in charge saying, okay, the, the, meal, the, the time for work's done. Go and sit down and I'll make you dinner. Or I'm going to sit down and you're going to fix me dinner. Which is more likely? Typically, I'm going to sit down and you fix me dinner. That's what he's saying. Verse 9, doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. So likewise ye, here it is, here's the point, verse 10. So likewise ye, when you have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. You know what Jesus is saying? When God uses you, when God chooses to use you as his servant, don't say, man, look at me. God's really lucky to have me. Look at all these people that are getting saved. Look at all these things that are happening. I'm the man. Is that the right answer? No. You simply say, I'm just doing what God's called me to do. And if, that, and if something good happens, it's not all on me. It's on the Lord, right? So you have David here, and he's starting to get a public opinion. And his public opinion is that he's just really a great guy. And I, here's another principle that I want to I tell you. This is something that I've been taught and I try to remember. I really, this is so important. You're never as good as some people think you are. You're never as bad as some people think you are. There's, don't, my, my dad taught me this. Other, I've had other pastors that have taught me this. Um, be careful of praise. Be careful of praise because it could get to here pretty quick. But also be careful of criticism because it can get to here pretty quick. Are you with me? We got to be careful about that. Our identity is not in what other people think of us. Our identity is in who? It's in Christ. We are what Christ says we are. And so the goal is, is, is to think of Christ more than to think of ourselves. And David, being used by God, and, and certainly that can bring friendship, but it also can bring people who, who start to have opinions about us and who you need to be careful about. 
how we interact with those. Here's a third thing. Ready? Number three. God using us can bring friction. Can bring friction. The first thing was David and Jonathan. The second relationship was David and the people. Now we see David and Saul. What do you think, Dave, what do you think Saul thinks about this new hit song? Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. It says in verse 8, And Saul was very wroth, and the saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? You know what he's saying? I'm worried he's about to be the next king. And that's what's going to happen, right? And Saul eyed David from that day forward. God was using David. People were noticing David. And now David is being eyed by Saul. Now he's got, hey, i got to watch this guy. It came to pass on the morrow that an evil spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied in the midst of the house, and David played with his hand as at other times, and there was a javelin in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. Who likes violence? Pretty fun. Okay. Verse 11. And Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. And Saul was afraid of David. Now that's interesting. Saul was, who was afraid of who? After I read something about, after you read something about somebody throwing a javelin at somebody, you would think they would say, and David was afraid of Saul. But the guy throwing the javelin was the one afraid, wasn't he? He says, and Saul was afraid of David. Why? Because the Lord was with him. Now that's an interesting thing. Saul was rejected as king. Do you remember that? We studied in the very first week that the reason why God decided to go with David, at least uh, as you saw that, remember Samuel was dealing with all that, was that Saul kept making these wrong choices, these wrong mistakes. Saul was... Um, Saul was doing things that were disobedient to the Lord. And so God says, I'm done with Saul. I'm moving on to David. Saul was not being obedient to God. Saul was, was not a man after God's own heart. David was a man after God's own heart. And it was very, very clear that God was with him. And so sometimes when you align yourself with the Lord, it's, it, it's condemning to those who don't do that. You see where this morning in Hebrews chapter 11, it said something interesting about, about Noah. Do you guys remember what it said? It said that when Noah obeyed God, I'll read it. By faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he, what? Condemned the world. How did he condemn the world? Because he's being obedient. They have the possibility of being obedient. God made the ark big enough to house a whole lot more people than it did, and none of them came on board. And so when Noah was being obedient to God and everybody else wasn't, it was a condemnation to them. Here with, with uh, Saul, David is doing the right thing. He's just being obedient where God places him. He's trying to bloom where he's planted. And it's very obvious to, to people that are there that God was using David. And because David had aligned himself with the Lord, he was aligning himself against Saul. Now, did David ask for that? David, he's just doing what he's told. 
David's just a shepherd boy who God brings a prophet along to anoint. And then now Saul, now, now he's got an opportunity to do the, to, to, to see what we saw last week where he's uh, killed Goliath. And now he's being used um, to uh, be in the king's court and he's doing all the right things. He didn't write the hit song. They wrote the hit song. They're the ones singing it. And it caused Saul to be scared of David to the point that his fear led him to try to kill him. And you'll see that over the next few chapters. Therefore, Saul removed him from him and made him captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. Saul was so angry that he promoted him. He promoted him out of the, or demoted him, whatever it was, he got him out of the court. And he was being used that way. You know, when we decide that we're going to serve the Lord, when we align ourselves with God, sometimes that means we get an enemy. Right? Every Christian has three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And when you are being used by the Lord, uh, sometimes that comes at a cost. It can bring friction. Here's the last one. God using us can bring favor. Now we see David's relationship with the Lord. It says in verse 12, what does it say about David? It says that the Lord was what? You see that in verse 12? And Saul was afraid of David. Why? Because the Lord was with him. David was developing his relationship with God. Verse 14 and David beha behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with David. Who wants the Lord to be with them? I, I want that. I want that. And I know you do too. God chooses at times to use us. And when he does, some great things can happen. It can bring friendships. Who has some friendships here at our church, with God being using us and together, that's so important. Sometimes God brings, sometimes when we serve God, it brings recognition. Recognition isn't always bad. Um, in fact, that's something we want to get better at at our church. We want, we want people who are being faithful and used to the Lord um, to know that they're recognized and appreciated and loved. I'm so grateful for you folks, so many people. Even right now, there are people serving so that we can enjoy what we're enjoying here. I'm so grateful for that. Um, but we got to remember to serve the Lord even if we, even if those, even if that fanfare doesn't come, right? Sometimes when we serve the Lord, it can bring friction. Sometimes when we are trying to be faithful, um, man, it brings, it brings about problems. When you set your allegiance towards the Lord, sometimes it brings, it brings a, uh, a situation where you can be an enemy of those who don't love him. But when you're used of God, man, it can help grow your relationship with him. And I think it's so important for us to understand that it doesn't matter really at the end of the day. It is not more important what people think of us. The, the one who is the most important for us to think about or what's most important is what God thinks of us. How does that look? Well, it looks like behaving ourselves wisely in all our ways and recognizing that the Lord 
We need the Lord's presence in our, in our life. John 15 says, tells us where our success can fr- come from. We want a fruitful ministry. You want to be really used by God. We studied this. We, we tried to memorize this. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abides in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me?